This podcast is made possible by the generosity of listeners and viewers like you. Kindly consider a contribution through Patreon or PayPal. Links are in the details box. Any amount is appreciated. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The handle, The Beirut Banyan. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And to stay updated with video releases, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening, and thanks for watching. I'm Rani Shatar, and this is The Beirut Banyan. I look like a tomato. Man is sweating. <laughs> I am sweating. I changed my clothes twice today, and I only started sweating in about two hours ago. I took the shot yesterday. So the fever is kicking in <laughs> mid-episode. Panadol. <laughs> um, I am. I am sweating, but uh, I know I'm in good company. I know I'm going to love this episode. So. If I doze off a bit, it's got <laughs> nothing to do with you. It's Corona boost, Corona booster, uh, Pfizer booster. You don't want to boost the Corona. I don't want to boost the <laughs> Corona. And honestly, I think I waited a bit too long to get the booster shot. I was, uh, I could have taken it three months ago. I extended it. So maybe it's not the best idea to do it midsummer when it's hot already, because my temperature is high. Hello, it's just today. Tomorrow it'll go. Yeah. At first I thought I was sweating because you were coming over. <laughs> nothing to do with that. Superstar. <laughs> yes. The second thing I want to mention is that uh, about, well, about four years ago, I started recording episodes before I released them. And this is going back to 2018 when the protests were not part of our daily lexicon uh <laughs> politics was obviously discussed but not in the way that it's been discussed just in the back of our minds yeah and really since october 17 the landscape changed i think permanently but in those days i used to do storytelling episodes um had little to do with politics more to do with beirut and the way i imagined beirut and the way i thought other people imagined it too sometimes differently and when i say imagine i think it means mostly film photography literature any any storytelling venue that gives me goosebumps and the first episode i released almost three years ago until today was with zia dwayde was about west beirut and this man's recollections and his own maybe reflections and re-embrace of a part of beirut that he left during the civil war and returned to after the war ended for me, it remains my favorite movie, and I think that is, in the background, why I do this podcast, why I started doing a history tour of Beirut called Walk Beirut mm. almost 15 years ago. It was a Oof. tribute to storytellers. Yeah, I'm 41. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, on the issue of age, um, yes. we said that I'm 23. Well, I hope you... Uh, yeah, that yeah. is your age, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to ask, uh, yeah. has, there any been, has there ever been a younger v- uh, speaker? Ria uh, al-Assad and Jana Mas'ud from Mintashi. Oh, yeah, Jana, yeah. And Verena al-Amil is 23. Mm. I don't know if you're... Borderline, borderline now. Borderline, <laughs> yeah. I think, th- I think they are both 23 from Mintashi or 22, maybe 23. Mm. Well, I'd have to check. When's I think they're birthday? younger. April. Uh, so you just turned 20, 23. Yeah, exactly. 
I'll check in with Also, them. not to disappoint you, yes, but sir. I haven't watched West Beirut yet. <laughs> not to disappoint me. the 300,000. <laughs> Wait, you haven't? No, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, so you're going to have to watch it after this episode. Because <laughs> I think you have an eye for Hamra, the way uh, Ziad Dwayri once did. And uh, it was a tribute to other storytellers, in particular Samir Asir, who was a writer, mm. journalist, yeah. historian, you know the man, yeah. politician, all of the above. So my passion is here. It's not in elections. It's not in... Uh, it's just been a detour the past few years, basically. I mean, it's... It's not a detour, more than a responsibility for all of us to be able to speak about politics and bring it actually into the foreground rather than the background, I think. The reasons you left your chemical engineering career, or maybe you took a side journey... Maybe I just graduated. <laughs> you just graduated, but let's say the reason... Hmm, the reason you're not taking photos of chemists... <laughs> <laughs> the reason I'm not producing chemicals in factories at the moment <laughs> Exactly, but that's better said um, Is because I think you got the, the same bug that bit you Exactly During the protests, I'm mm -hmm. guessing First night The first night is the same bug that bit me long ago um, It may be a different protest It's less to do with uh, recent stuff It's more to do with the protests in 2005 mm. Primarily March 14th and Samir Asir, of course, is part of that story. Anyway, so 15 <laughs> years ago, or no, 2005 is 17 years ago, I was 24. So, your age, and the bug bit me. Wow. So I think we're on the same path um, of storytelling. Did you um, study anything other than what you're doing now? Oh, yeah, I studied psychology, literature. I did a master's at AUB in Middle East studies. That's the closest. Ah, so you've shifted career paths. You could have yeah. been a professor, for example. You could have went into academics. That's being too kind to me. I don't <laughs> think anyone would want to deal with me in a classroom. <laughs> I don't. No, but your 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 lens, your uh, your eye, your observing lens, your camera lens. We're gonna actually. I'm glad you brought this camera. We're gonna talk about this camera. Uh, you're the kind of person I want to speak with as this anniversary approaches of me trying to do Beirut justice. So that's my way of saying thank you for coming on a Friday night. Um, let me start by you introducing yourself to someone who doesn't know you because <laughs> I just met you, but I feel comfortable with you. And it feels like I've known you already through social media, mm. but somebody who has no idea who you are. A brief introduction on your terms. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so it's a bit, you know, difficult to talk about yourself extensively, I think. So I'm Nabil Yaksan. Um, I grew up in the United Arab Emirates um, most of my years, and I moved here for university in 2017. Okay. So about two years before the protests started. And um, um, yeah, I guess if you want more of a background in terms of how I got into photography itself. So basically in high school, I was doing all the high school pictures. It was nothing really artistic. Mm. And, you know, in Abu Dhabi, where I was living, especially, <clears throat> it's kind of bland. You know, you could think of everything over there as uh, it's a monarchy, first of all. And there's uh, like um, such a focus on privacy and um, just control over every aspect, over everyone's lives in the United Arab Emirates as well. And so, you know, once I moved here, everything became so much less corporate. Mm. And, you know, the first walk I took through Beirut was, um, you could say, insanely eye-opening <laughs> in terms of um, the fact that, you know, in the Emirates, you don't really see um, much of everyday life. You know, everyone, everyone over there, if they're on a walk, they're on a walk for work. You know, there's right. no yeah. there's no on a walk for entertainment or, you know, <laughs> yeah. for fun. It's very corporate over there. So 
to be able to move to Lebanon and capture um, what I think the streets are, you know, extremely more artistic because, um, first of all, they're more worn down. Um, mm. So much history has passed them uh, as compared to the Emirates as well. Uh, because, you know, these cities over there have been erected only in maybe like the, the last 20 years. And, you know, here it's been, what, thousands? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So the long view of this city versus, and I like the way you d- describe the UAE, mundane (laughs) and you brought up their form of governance which i think is an appropriate way of describing the blandness exactly i've never heard those two words together as a storyteller so your passion for photography predates beirut yeah but in 2017 is that the first time you arrived to beirut long term yeah exactly that's when i came here Mm. and just never it's when i arrived actually i felt like you know how you you live somewhere then you go for a vacation and since then, I've just arrived but never left. But I mm. feel as though it's just been one long extended vacation as though I'm going to return someday. Right. Uh, it's a weird feeling. <laughs> but your, your eye for Hamra is, I think, particularly profound. You do street series on Twitter, which I think is a nice... I mean, for me, I'll say something which is a bit odd. I use Twitter for news, but okay. I, I'm happier with Twitter when someone like you is on Twitter. Because it's less news per se, more just your eye. It could be protests at the central bank. You're taking photos of that. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was were, yesterday. Yeah. So I mean, you're not. It's not just. It's not just photography for the sake of it. I think there's a political dimension there, but I prefer you on Twitter when I'm scrolling the news because <laughs> I take a moment to appreciate what I'm not seeing. Mm-hmm. It's through your eye. Um, but Hamra, I think, stands out in your photography, and I'm wondering: is that strictly to do with you at AUB? Is um, that a d- mostly yes. Okay. You know, like I lived uh, on Bliss Street first of all. Mm. First few years I lived in on Bliss Street, basically in front of the AB main gate, okay. and you know it was just uh, in terms of proximity. You know, first of all, I'd walk with my camera for hours, and usually in the first uh, few years I just um, I wouldn't use taxis. If I wanted to go mm. to Ashafi, it would mm. be through walking, and so you know I'd have to pass throughout all of Hamra to get there. So you could say yeah, that's why the pictures were mostly based on Hamra Street. And you said walking. Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, the only way you can discover Beirut. <laughs> True. Uh, my tour was called Walk Beirut. <laughs> and whenever anybody would ask, where's the bus? I would say, that's the first word. It's oh. called Walk, <laughs> walk Beirut. Um, you know, especially since Beirut is um, such a small city, it's designed for walking. I'm, I'm very against um, cities um, built around cars, first of all. Because, uh, like, let's say America, basically, there is no walking, you know. There's just vast lands of parking lots, You're malls, right. yeah. vast lands, malls, you know, so. Similar to, in a way, to Dubai in that exactly. lifestyle. Exactly, because of the heat for, right. for that example. <laughs> you know, but you're making a parallel to my memory of AUB, which I enjoy. Uh, I grew up at the end of the street. Next to the Rose House. <laughs> yeah, and actually just beneath the old lighthouse. That's so very nice. I would only walk. And I actually refused to leave that little corner until the rent rates were so absurd <laughs> I couldn't justify it. But I deliberately never had a car. I would take service when I needed to. Or I would just walk around Hamra and Ras Beirut. I didn't feel the need. And this is being a bit unfair to other parts of the city. I didn't feel the need to venture further. Mm-hmm. But this is going back many years ago. Um, the reason I keep bringing this out is because uh, <laughs> I want you just to take a look. I mean, this is half of the tour that I started 17 years ago. Uh, the reason I say half is because I trimmed it over time. It was a seven hour walking tour of Beirut. 
من اول شارع بلس لتقريبا برج حمود yeah, so it was the whole that's where I usually stop as well <laughs> right I eventually tried to narrow it down into an afternoon a four hour storytelling tour but I would start in Hamra mm. and I emphasized Hamra now I'm curious about your way of experiencing Hamra the last five six years since you've been here since 2017 Hamra has changed for me stretching it huge, longer huge change yeah and i think the change is actually it's accelerated um this is a sensitive word i think because i don't think there's any gentle way to fully describe the change in that neighborhood without it sounding a bit it's not that it's um the descriptions i think are difficult but they're real and i can give you my own taste and see if it, it, it resonates with you i don't know hamra that's pitch black at night Mm. So that's a huge issue I wanted to bring up actually um, I used to be able to do night photography right. in Hamra and now yeah. it's essentially impossible first of all like some nights when I was walking back from university I, I'd have to rely on the moonlight to be able to get you know actually see the ground right. at some points uh, throughout the streets um, so the dark the, the darkness <laughs> has impacted your own passion yeah exactly also for me it's that there's no life at night or, or the life that I experienced it's today it's concentrated it's just been concentrated around bars you yeah, know exactly so we know them Mizian Awal Shara Hamra or Ta'riba Nusashira we know Me'desi where those bars still linger um, there's these odd clubs that open up Friday and Saturday Metro and that other one yeah. that stays open until 5 in the morning I think it's Nasir or something I forget the name Maybe it's not Nasser. I think it is Nasser. I don't remember. I, but the light, the nightlife is not spread out the way it once was. Mm. Also, also because it's a safety issue at this point as exactly. well. Exactly. You know, yeah. my friend just came from Abu Dhabi. He's gotten mugged twice. In Hamra. <laughs> In Hamra. Yeah. Wow. But it was late. Yeah, it's kind of his fault being outside. Maybe at two, two or one a.m., pitch black. Of course, it's going to be a safety issue as well. You know what you're saying right now is unthinkable to me. Not that long ago. That two in the morning is dangerous in Hamra, but now that's a reality. Yeah, I used to uh, feel safe basically walking at those times. Um, yeah. And now it's just completely different. Okay, so AUB, let's say Bliss Street, Ras Beirut, Hamra is part of that. Um, could you maybe walk me through your own, maybe your own journey into Beirut once you arrive? Because naturally you're extending your, yeah. your territory. Uh, just if you could maybe bring it to life. What, what direction you took and was it simply just you're going to go into downtown you're more interested in seeing the corniche because you're very good at all of them mm. uh, you don't really venture into Ashafi much I've noticed that <laughs> but maybe your geography and how you kind of how you choose where to go from from Hamra yeah so um, uh, first you know I'd start off on Jean d'Arc Street basically and uh, I'd walk up to Hamra Street and you know the first few years um I'd basically walk until I'd get lost. Um, uh -huh. So, uh, you know, you keep doing it, keep doing it until you, you do it, then you stop getting lost. Mm -hmm. Then you have to get lost again. And and so I think I, well, you know, the first few years I didn't really spend much on Hamrai. Like you said, I spent uh, down on Manada because uh, as a photographer, I think it's a much more friendly environment down there because mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Manada is a, a weird place. Essentially, everyone is very open to, you know, first of all, being talked to, being photographed, um, that it's, a, it's, it's as if it's a scene with not many rules in terms of uh, societal norms. Don and Monar, you know, you have old, old shirtless men, everyone yeah. tanning. Um, there's, there's no formalities down there mm. uh, like you'd find, let's say, in a city street. And um, 
you know, as I progress down there as a photographer, I'd eventually feel more comfortable going into the inner city. Um, is that because, and this is my speculation, that in Hamra, there's a lot, I mean, it's people-driven photography that I noticed, and I'm going to pull out a few of these photos now, that you do emphasize the person in Hamra, and naturally in Manada, it's both. It's the individual, and of course, it's the the scene, the geography. Uh-huh. Yeah, is that make it more comfortable that you're not intruding on people? Yeah, it's um the the type of photography I mostly do is called f- the fisherman style. Mm. So first of all, you'd you'd pose a nice scene and you'd wait for someone to walk through it, and so essentially you're not really uh, invading the privacy of the individual, but rather you're taking a picture of a scene and they walk into it and then it, you know, it, it, like the responsibility of um, let's say the ethics of street photography don't really bother you that much <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's so, a whole discussion the ethics of street photography we could get into it if you'd like I'd love to yeah let's, let's actually you know, let's start with Hamra and then we can walk into <laughs> Manara so this is one of the photos you, you sent to me and I actually I love this photo mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I'm writing is this Sukrat or near Sukrat this right? is actually I think one street above Hamra you know, the, the farther you go above Hamra, I tend to think that the streets are very traditional. Um, hmm. There's still uh, shop owners uh, who, yani, they, they oh, above the, meaning uh, south of ha- uh, south of Hamra, so towards LAU. The street, uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. not towards Bliss, la, la. In the other direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and so you know what I'd like to talk about in this image specifically is that um, the the type of photography I do um, circles around the working class basically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you look into history, um, every art form has had a focus um, uh, in terms of wh- what the art form portrays, basically, and the values they want to portray. And, you know, if you look into, the, let's say, the old art forms, painting, um, it would just be commissioned by uh, the wealthy, basically, to preserve mm-hmm. um, you know, the values of the wealthy. The, you'd have portraits, you know, the, the painting of Napoleon as well, uh, right. pointing his finger. But, you know, street photography itself allows you to, let's say, preserve the ongoings and everyday life of the working class, which is something I believe that hasn't been really covered much in history. You so know? you have that more classical viewpoint? I mean, you mentioned Napoleon. Yeah, talking I'm about saying that's th- essentially different because, yeah. you know, you'd be um, taking pictures, let's say, um, of the working class in this in this case, but rather uh, old art forms never really took into account the working class or preserving the ongoings of the working class. I see. So you're deliberately focusing on Working this, class individuals. Oh, I didn't, you know, it wouldn't have crossed my mind. To me, this is just hamra. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, that's a nice uh, reminder that uh, I, I don't always understand necessarily everything that's going on. <laughs> so you, I've noticed also you branch into cars sometimes. You go into these vintage cars. Vintage yeah. cars, yeah. But the working class element, I didn't catch that. that that's quite <laughs> nice. I think actually that's the second photo as well. Or, sorry, not that one. It's, yeah. So you have a lot of typical very minimalistic businesses that are street vendors or yeah the like is so, that yeah i mean just if you could describe it and is it also a deliberate focus on this kind of profession yeah this is something else you know essentially why i do photography is basically i want to be able to preserve um the ways of life of uh, specifically this generation of people mm. you know you'd have uh, people tell me nabil all you do is take pictures of old people <laughs> and um i have to admit i do have a focus on old people uh, i think because 
old people have some relation to um, the passing of time as well as um, they, they do open uh, like street vendors um, their profession you know is not being recreated anymore basically everyone's going to university these days getting a degree working in something corporate basically right. and so what you have is basically the disappearance of um, uh, this type of um, uh, let's say uh, a working well, condition yeah well, that's interesting and you I'm going to just guess that you started taking these kinds of photos before October 17. It wasn't yeah, that... Yeah, exactly. This is not post... Most of these photos that I've sent you are actually pre-revolution. Right, right. Mm. Okay, there's another photo in this group here. Yeah, I love this photo. Mm. So, I, you know, now that you explain them, I see it better. I didn't even think about the generational emphasis. Yeah. It's just the humbra that I know. But now I see it in a... You're, you're actually paying tribute to a difficult maybe generations post-war experience. Exactly. Because I think, I mean, this kind of age group has seen it all. Exactly. And this age group, you could say, are um, they're not being regenerated in terms of mm. um, what they do in terms of, um, so let's say these people's kids, they're not going to be um, street vendors as well, you know. Uh, they are, um, yeah. you know, because you have the disappearance of, let's say, old culture and traditional uh, bazaar uh, forms of, you know, walking around and selling things. And um, just the, the beginning of popping up of just privatization and um, you know corporate uh, shops in the background, you know. Right, and then of course, I mean, it's just that you just have to take a quick stare, quick glance, and you know that this is a very unique <laughs> Lebanese kind of. Yeah, uh, this guy walks around Hammer <laughs> Street, says yeah. balade, balade, and, and he has honey. And and he honey has, and yeah, um, you're able to get these photos, and I always notice they're not, they don't notice you. Mm. Are, are you waiting at the right time, or are you just catching them? right before they make eye contact <laughs> this one was taken also with the fisherman technique you know i mm, pose mm. the scene i notice the scene and you know essentially i just get lucky basically with a subject as um aesthetic as this guy <laughs> to right. pass through the scene um but what is the fisherman technique exactly so you know i'd notice like a uh, composition first you know uh -huh, you'd, uh -huh. you'd notice a nice uh, frame mm -hmm. you'd set up the camera uh, i don't know i just hold the camera like this until someone walks through. Oh, so you're positioned there. Yeah. And they don't notice you kind of just... I've been, just, I've been standing there for a while. They're right, not going right. to really look at the camera. An odd question. Do you ever get hassled? Because I know in Beirut it's not <laughs> easy to just take a camera and take photos. And people do come up and they ask what you're doing. And has is, I mean, is it difficult to just stand in Hamra with a camera waiting? Um, uh, well, most of my friends who do photography... Uh, have had those experiences mm. of being um, um, basically uh, meeting someone aggressive. Right. Um, not necessarily security or anything like that. Just could be anybody. Yeah. 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 But uh, not really with me um, because I tend to like I walk around for hours looking for subjects who look approachable. Basically, right. uh, if I see someone looks kind of grumpy, looks kind of he could start uh, a problem. I don't really lift the camera towards them, um, even I though it, it is quite disappointing to be able to miss a scene that mm. um, looked really nice, but. Um, Come in. There is this issue of um, the anxiety of having to point a, a camera at a stranger, which pushes yeah. me to miss. I can't tell, like, from all the work that I've had, I can't tell you how many missed opportunities there have been. So you're it's probably in the thousands. Oh, really? Mm. So, but you're sensitive to those moments and you say no. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I have a lot of anxiety about um, pointing a camera at strangers, first of all. It's not mm. something I... Yeah. I thought in my first years of doing photography that I'd probably get used to it. Oh, خلاص, three years uh, into doing photography, I can just point the camera. But uh, even these days, it's it's really hard to يعني, invade someone's 
uh, privacy basically as they're walking and yeah. uh, take a picture of them. But I'm glad that you're, you're <laughs> honest about that. So you're you're missing out on those opportunities, but you feel that it's almost like a principle in that sense. Yeah. You don't want to take advantage yeah. of someone's space. I respect that. There's another photo that you took, which for me is priceless. I did not know that payphones are still working. This was come in pre-revolution. This, but even pre, they're, they're probably destroyed by now. Yeah, yeah. But even pre-October 17, I didn't know. They do, they, they do, incredible. and actually, some I taught someone uh, recently actually quite using them, so they still do work You're even kidding, today. They still work. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, it goes back to the issue of um, preserving the people that use payphones and preserving yeah. the images of them, basically, uh, as history goes by and payphones uh, disappear from public spaces, and so uh, photography, in a way, acts as a way to. Uh, preserve this lifestyle you know even i think it was a piece in the new york times about the last payphone in new york uh. being <laughs> removed wow it's the 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 final payphone which still had those coin slots and I, this is actually capturing a bit of history yeah I, it I, is quite historical yeah. and this image is quite um it, ha- it means a lot to me because i took this i think in the week of uh, next to October 17, 2019. So this you could say, actually, this mm-hmm. was the last image I took in terms of street photography before the revolution started. Oh, wow. And so in my mind, um, there was this transition between my styles uh, before and after this image specifically. Um, yeah. <laughs> before we get into downtown and before we, uh, before we get into Manada and downtown, um, tell me why you don't enjoy... Canon <laughs> photography. So I'm what's known as a Canon hater. <laughs> you should say it right to the Canon camera. <laughs> Canon hater. So he uses Canons. Yes, um, sir. <laughs> maybe it's, uh, I think it's kind of um, uh, jealousy maybe because I started off with an icon and um, actually most of my photography was shot with an icon. All mm. the images you've seen uh, have been shot with an icon, uh, D850 specifically. Which is this camera? No, that's no. a Fujifilm. Oh, uh, okay, okay. You'll notice a huge change of my style after this camera. Um, mm. Because, uh, first of all, I'm now using a wider lens. And um, first of all, it, can't, it can't even handle much nighttime photography as well. So you won't be seeing much nighttime photography being output by me anymore. Oh, I see. Um, and sorry, the Icon camera was the one that was used in Hamra mostly? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Nikon, yeah. So could you then, in that case, since you're a <laughs> Canon hater, could you maybe explain what this camera is and why you have this one with you as opposed to any other brand? Why is Fujifilm uh, so, on the table? The Nikon was huge. The Nikon was just purely a photojournalism camera. It was mm. an enormous black rock I know these cameras. pulling my neck down. Right. Uh, when it came to street photography, you know, you'd mm. feel... So this camera makes me look like a tourist. It's easier for me to lift, a, lift it and take a picture of the city. But, you know, when you're lifting the Nikon D850 at someone, they think they're going to be in a, in a news article. They're going to be written about. And right. So, so it's the Nikon, intimidating. Yeah, in a way. it wasn't yeah. friendly at all. So first of all, that, and mm. then the the weight issue. You know, I'm walking around for hours, and like I said before, we even started recording. I'm getting a hunchback. Right. Oh, yeah. so that's, that's from carrying that yeah. Nikon. But what is the advantage to the Nikon as opposed to the Fujifilm? What is the? Uh, oh well, higher resolution. Okay. Higher ISO, more dynamic range, mm. a lot of things. Uh, there has been a huge drop in terms of the quality of the images. So this camera mm. outputs images uh, uh, at 15 megabytes per image, but the other camera used to output images at 30 megabytes. I see. So you could basically essentially zoom in as much as you wanted before things right. got pixelated. So almost double the resolution. I mean, the quality is superior. Mm, yeah. But you're able to get what you want. There had to be a compromise somewhere. You know, right. a smaller yeah. camera, more friendly. And plus, it looks nice. It looks like a film camera, you'll notice. Um, Beyond weight, though, is there any advantage to this camera? 
let me think. Or is the Nikon still? Ah, yeah, there is a huge advantage is that Nikon, uh, the colors of uh, it outputs the, the pictures. I felt as though they were too close to real life. Um, that That's might sound like an advantage, mm. but um, I wanted a camera where I was able to do some editing in camera as well. You know, this camera you can edit in camera, as well as the fact that this camera also has. Um, so you can edit in camera. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't do that in the Nikon. Not much. Uh, as well, there, this camera has some presets. Mm. I can essentially mm. apply the effects I wanted before taking the picture as so. well. Um, so so there, this camera has more of a creative range rather than the Nikon's uh, just right. routine. Uh, close to uh, real life images basically but why do you hate canon because the way you described <laughs> your fujifilm camera is very because similar the main reason is that nikon had an extremely bad video system and so canon oh. has an extremely good video system and so um <laughs> that's why we're here <laughs> that's where the jealousy enters oh i see okay <laughs> yeah yeah so it's the video that's yeah, it yeah, yeah but otherwise you don't think the canon has that kind of no, no, uh, I hate Canon purely for simply dumb reasons. <laughs> oh, so you don't? Oh, I see. I understand. You're actually just you just want a Canon camera. That's yeah. really. Oh, okay. it's bittersweet. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Maybe we can trade. <laughs> no, I, I I appreciate these nuances because I actually never really understood why the Nikon was being used for photojournalism, mm. but that makes sense. These yeah. are going out to major news. Nikon outlets. is a workhorse, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, the workhorse. That's that's well said. <laughs> Let's go to Manada. So, my friend, I think of the photos that have less to do with politics and just Beirut as it stands, mm -hmm. as it exists. I think you found a way to capture Ras Beirut, Corniche, and the above in a way that I think is quite haunting sometimes. <laughs> this photo, the reason I like it. It's Ramlat al-Baida. Uh, I can't tell you what it smelled like when I was taking this photo. So I, I'm, you know, you, I'm glad you're saying this because I could smell it <laughs> by just looking at the photo. That, to me, is the destruction of Beirut. Yeah. The loveliest coast turned into a sewage dump. I mean, yeah, like you have Italy with a coast with the Mediterranean, and then you have the Mediterranean here, you know. There's yeah. been studies by AUB about the, the bacteria in, in, in these waters reaching uh, dangerous levels for human beings to be even swimming in. Yeah. Yet they're, they're full of human beings swimming in them, so uh, it poses a multitude of health issues as well as... I'm not sure if there's any airborne transmission. I, but I can even see them, you know, because that's not humidity. And there was a fog. There was yeah, yeah, a sort that's of not, fog. That's not, yeah, absolutely. So you, but you found your way into Ramat al-Baida and you found somebody swimming. I love Ramat al-Baida since um, um, it's basically, like I said about Manara, um, uh, even though Ramat al-Baida is a bit more private, it's weird being able to take pictures on a beach somewhere where mm. it's, it's especially more exploitative in terms of taking pictures of people on a beach. You know, right, people right. don't expect to have their pictures taken. Uh, you know, somewhere um, like that. But um, like I said... But this person wouldn't have even noticed you, I guess, because that yeah, seems like a very time. zoomed in photo. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, most of actually my photography was shot on a 50 millimeter lens. Okay. So there's no zooming. It's oh, just one fixed, uh, you know, millimeter. Right, right. Yeah. Well, that one is haunting because <laughs> that's the Manara. Yeah. It's a very solitary photo, I, I'd imagine. Uh, you know, there's just someone walking. What I like to do in photography is basically take pictures of these peculiar people, uh, especially I noticed during nighttime, the city mm -hmm. is mostly empty, um, yeah. not just for the safety reasons, but the fact that people don't like to 
it seems to walk anymore, you know, especially through the city. Mm-hmm. And you, you'd rarely find any people like this, you know, taking walks um, in places like these. And so that's what makes them essentially, I think, peculiar people. Could I interrupt you with a odd question? Because you just took out your phone. Yeah. Have you ever, this is a stupid question, <laughs> have you ever been tempted to take photography with that kind of camera? And just mm. at, have you ever chosen your phone's camera over the effort you're putting into these photos? Um, so the sensor size of the phone's camera is about um, a few centimeters large, basically, mm. while the sensors you'd find on a on a you know larger camera um they'd allow you to take pictures in higher resolution and so this relates to what i eventually want to do with my work you know uh-huh. if i want to have my work in exhibitions if i want to have my work in books you know with the phone photography you can't really expand the photos um, right and you'd you'd want to also be able to you know in this day and age take pictures which can be um enjoyed in larger than a on a you know on a medium larger than a phone screen sure you know so if i ever wanted to expand my photos larger than a phone screen you know i'd have to opt for the camera but i didn't maybe i didn't ask it the right way uh <laughs> there's sometimes i see you posting a collection of street series photos mm-hmm. that are mostly on twitter the ones i see uh they seem like they could be they could have been taken by a phone camera exactly the scenes exist um but you know the lens of the phone camera first of all is extremely wide so, so those are not phone camera photos no no oh, I those see. are all okay. with 50 millimeter photos so yeah. it's kind of zoomed in and so even when you zoom in on a phone you'll notice the quality drops intensely when you zoom sure. in yeah yeah so there's ne- never a preference to the accessibility of your phone camera i mean it's easier but come in um yeah, you're right. It is a lot of effort to lug around my camera everywhere, but I, but I do that. <laughs> you do that. Oh, so cause that's what I was wondering, because a lot of these are natural moments. And I I would guess you don't always have your camera. I actually always do. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah, okay. even friends' gatherings. You oh, know, if I you see. ask any of my friends, my camera's always with me. I see. Yeah. So you're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, because especially with street <laughs> photography, you never know what's going to pop up. That's what yeah. I like when I you know exit my building is you never know what you're going to see uh on that on the specific day mm. um like i went down to monara one day and i just saw a guy with his pet owls he's holding his oh, pet yes, owls yes, on his yes. hand yeah, yeah. and so it's it's really weird and so and i want to have my camera in those moments i see so that is your pretty much with you as the way your phone is with you you're yeah. always that's yeah. i didn't know that <laughs> let's go to the second photo which is, I love this photo Oh, here. Beirut in winter. Yeah, but so I mean, nice. you, I mean, you really like took advantage <laughs> of this These people were suffering. going to die, by the way. They, they weren't on the stairs. They were where the wave was crashing before this photo. Oh, so they were on their and way. And I yelled out. at them, get up, get, get oh, wow. like, come back to the stairs. Uh, yeah. Was this around the time that there, there was a couple, uh, maybe a couple, the, the, the guy died. Someone fell into the water? So someone got smashed by a wave uh, several months ago. I think both were injured and she survived. He didn't, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it's, it's obviously it's dangerous to be down there. Yeah. But you yeah. caught them right at the right time. Mm. So may I ask, were you standing waiting? Were no, you waiting? These, no, these moments, uh, you can't do the fisherman technique or uh-huh. uh, you have to go, you know, spontaneously uh, find the scenes. Basically, uh, a famous photographer called Henry Carter Bresson he said uh, it's uh, you know street, he invented basically the, the genre of street photography so he says Henry Cartier Bresson he you know to him it's being able to capture the decisive moment basically mm. in street mm. photography so uh, moments which um, you know uh, you don't really see every day basically um, especially with this photo uh, 
exactly like uh, this photo was taken right after these people were going to die basically <laughs> as we said yeah yeah so you're using that technique and you're not just waiting at the moment no this one you can't uh, well you know with waves essentially um i have other photos actually on the manara walkway mm. where i see that waves are crashing onto the walkway where yeah. people are walking i'd actually wait there and wait for someone to not know the waves are hitting and uh, oh, wait for so the funny. wave to hit them. <laughs> so you're just, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I'll send you the picture after. Yeah, sure. Like. But I really like this photo because I, I'll tell you why. It's, it, maybe I'm wrong. It feels like it's a father and maybe a son mm. uh, who are not really, it's not that they're suffering. They're not suffering in this mm. photo. I mean, they're going to get out. They're getting yeah. wet, obviously, because they made a bad decision by being down there. But it's, it's a nice photo. It's like a bonding photo. Exactly, you know. And, and the Mediterranean, even though it's a bit violent, it's not that violent. Yeah. To the point that they're not going to be swept away by it. Mm. Beirut feels like it's being cleaned as well. It's almost like a shower, desperately needed shower. Sorry. I, I you know what that. I always think about, essentially, is um, if we designed the, the wall to be that high, um, because I always think... When was this? Do you know? Do you know when this wall was? Oh, uh, made. I mean, I I know the Corniche is during the French Mandate. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I I think the railing is not the original. Uh, no, the railing. Because I, I always think, did we design this accounting for climate change? Because it seems really high compared to the the water. That's interesting. I didn't. And even, so I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean. It, it, it has survived, which is quite <laughs> impressive. But I, I, anyway, you're you're very good at capturing those natural moments, even when somebody's getting uh, <laughs> showered. Uh, that photo, I couldn't figure out where that is. As well, Ramat al Baida. That's Ramat al Baida. Even though this guy walks across the whole Manara with uh, his horses, hmm. I've met up uh, met up with him on multiple occasions. We've done photo shoots with this guy. Basically, we rented the horses. We've done photo shoots on the horses. Oh, I see. <clears throat> yeah, I think this horse is called Honey. <laughs> so he's way. strolling along the corniche with his horse. Yeah, he, he's trying to find tourists. <laughs> I see. So yeah. Self-employed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's, I mean, the the black and white technique here, yeah. and the way the Ramesh Labayda looks different. To me, it's actually quite nice because it has this wintry feel. Mm. It could even be like a cold European winter. Mm. And I think that's just because you found a way to expose it this way. Mm. But I wouldn't think Ramesh Labayda. Yeah. Unlike the haunting photo earlier you know this looks like there is no trash in this photo because it was mm. photoshopped <laughs> oh yeah there was you, trash before okay I removed, uh, removed trash. i'm glad you're saying this <laughs> okay so you actually in this photo you removed yeah the bottles or whatever there's that was... so much microplastics on this shore now like if you go down there and you see the amount of um especially medical things um like medical cartridges all scattered yeah. all over the yeah. So let me ask you then a personal question. I didn't know it's Ramit Al-Baida for the reasons that you are just hinting at, which is you edited out. Yeah. Why did you remove the trash from this photo? Um, well, um, so when you're, you're trying to find good composition for the shots, basically, you want to remove anything that removes attention from what you want to be the center of focus. Mm. I wanted this guy to be the center of focus. So there was some white plastic and that... Uh, you know, it, it's completely gray down here. So if there were to be any uh, white gleaming pieces of plastic, it would um, disrupt basically, uh, it would make the photo chaotic, I think. So, yeah. So it wasn't to disrupt him. It was more to keep clean, the focus on him. Keep the focus on him. I see. Because mm. I want him to be the center of focus. Right. 
Yeah, and you'll notice also, um, this is kind of off topic, but most of my photography are portraits. I don't know why specifically. Yeah, well, I mean, I, uh, I, you, I have seen some photos where there aren't any, there's no one in the photo. Uh, actually, you took No, I mean one. portraits as in they're not landscape. Oh, sorry, mm. sorry. Okay, <laughs> right. That's interesting. But mm -hmm. you do have landscape photos. I've seen you post, mm -hmm. but the majority With the are... new camera, most are landscapes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to <laughs> Roche. Yeah, I mean, Roche. I, I think I've seen that image in my mind hundreds of times, if not mm. more. And probably the same guy fishing there all the time. <laughs> it was a really nice photo, yeah. Yeah. And no, I took this photo, I think, more for maybe commercial reasons. This mm -hmm. <laughs> simply because this photo sells well. You know, it is a nice image of Beirut as a souvenir. And right. so... Yeah, people like foot pictures of Roche. Visitors yeah. love the pigeon rock. The pigeon <laughs> rock, but you know, I I mean, you tell me if this is true. No one in Lebanon has a photo of Roche at home. Ah, oh, yeah, but outside, eh? Outside, yeah. Mm. Restaurants, barra, they always put mm. Roche. It's a symbol. It's symbol. Nahna, we don't even notice it mm. anymore. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I was gonna ask you. But before we move on, I'd like to mention, by the way, um, look at the flag, the Lebanese flag on top of mm. the rock. Yeah. Uh, I want you to think about, like, this is a major, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, tourist destination. Uh, but uh, look at the beat down flag we have uh, on top of it. <laughs> you know, it's barely even swinging in the Yeah, in the well, that, that's true. <laughs> but I was, in, I was curious about Rauche, the way, it, the way you see it today on the Corniche and the way Rauche used to appear from Beirut, the skyline along Roche is new. This mm. is post-war high-rise infrastructure, uh, these residential towers. Do you think that Roche has been, maybe, f not, it's not that it's forgotten, everyone knows where Roche is, but do you think it doesn't fit naturally anymore into the way we maybe drive around Beirut? We don't even notice Roche. On the Corniche, we're more focused on getting from one place to the other. You really have to walk to the mm. edge, or you have to live in one of those towers that has blocked really, everyone's yeah. view. Yeah, this is something I wanted to mention specifically because I was at an exhibition recently for old photos of Beirut and they were talking about, you know, why have people lost connection with the shoreline? Why have people lost yeah. connection with the coast? And you could, you know, attribute that to the privatization of, you know, all the houses uh, specifically. Are like So you have Beirut souks blocking everyone from being able to even own a home next to the, the shore. Or right. even, specifically, yeah. we were talking at the exhibition about why have people lost... Uh, their connection to the port because in old Lebanon the port used to be something that people would walk through but mm -hmm. now it's just um, shipping containers and you know being lifted and put onto ships but and we can't even go there even, even exactly if we because people have essentially been priced out of the region mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, rent prices uh, real estate yeah you can all blame everything on capitalism these days <laughs> let's go to well oh, I, this I mean this was the reason I liked it is because it's it's in a way uh, how do I say it? You're, you're fine. Uh, there's a word for it, and I don't know what it is. It's not that it's cliche, because that's not the right word. Obviously, there are lots of photos like this of a woman in a burqa, um, just you know, solitary it, in the center of the the focus. Yeah. Yeah, but I could I could tell that there's a. Hmm, I don't know. So when I posted this photo, yeah. um, the caption I put was, um, "We had swum in the ocean of religion for so long, uh, we had never even gotten wet." So for me, this photo is um, a critique of religion, basically. Um, oh, so that was deliberate. Yeah. Oh, I see. I, okay, you know what? It's <laughs> always better to ask. I thought it was the opposite, meaning that you're sympathizing with her. No. Oh, see, I, 
That's great. <laughs> well, you ha- you have to sympathize with people you know who are religious. Basically, they're no one is uh, religious when they're born, but you know they're they're taught religion from a young age when you know their minds are still malleable, and you know they live in this uh, essentially narrow frame uh, for all their lives, um, never having really uh, understood why they joined the religion. You, you know, you could have been born anywhere, born into any religion, yet you're born as a Muslim, for example, and so. You know, people and the relation to their own religion, uh, no one really finds so much introspection um, into specifically why they're in that religion. And that's uh, essentially what that photo means to me. Could you say the caption again for the photo? We had swum in the ocean of religion for so long, yet we have never gotten wet. Huh. Maybe I should have seen that caption. <laughs> yeah, that's on the Instagram. Uh, that's okay. another thing I do is I post photos with literature in the caption. Okay. Um, essentially poems most of the time. Um, some Marxist literature. <laughs> you know, I well. know that your Instagram page is uh, has a bigger presence than Twitter. Mm. I'll, I'll make sure that both get their <laughs> fair share. But I just know it's funny. I I guess I've married you to news, uh, yeah. which is not the right For thing the to do. That's but mostly I, what's been hitting on Twitter, basically. Yeah, yeah. Everything I've been posting there in terms of news has been doing well. Mm, so maybe mm. that's why. <laughs> well, I'm glad I found your Instagram page not that long ago. So this is, uh, I will, I, I appreciate the caption and the ex- explanation. I know that you took a photo of the new lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you something. This photo here. is important to me because, Yanni. It represents uh, the end of an era for basically the Hariri, Hariri family. Yeah. Okay, so you, that's there deliberately. I saw <laughs> yeah. that right away. But the old couple, you know, it's a nice addition, I think, because they do symbolize that generation, you know, who, mm. who did follow that political leader. And yeah, it's yeah, that's the end. There's something about this photo that I like more than I usually would when I'm even standing there. Because I know this exact spot. Mm. I'm always there. I'm always looking at the Mediterranean. I'm looking at the sunset, which is just a little further out from here. Yeah. There's that restaurant here, Manada, whatever restaurant. Manada the fish Cafe. place. <laughs> fish place, yeah. But I, I know this location so well. I don't like it in real life, yet I like it more here. I think you found a way to make this lighthouse look older than mm. it is. I am so partial. I am <laughs> so attached to the old lighthouse. Yeah. So even though maybe the paint here is older now than the paint on the old one. The, the technique you used, whether it's the slight filtering, I don't know what Most you did. Most of my photos undergo a lot of post-processing. Uh, I use Lightroom. Uh, I don't okay. use it on the laptop. I just use it on my That's mobile. That's the Adobe... Uh, Adobe Lightroom. Yeah. Right, okay. Uh, I don't use Photoshop much, mm. basically. But uh, Lightroom, I do mess with the colors a lot. So you'd notice in real life, it would be much more orange than this. I mean, I've removed all the orange hues, all the yellow oh, hues. Okay. And... Um, yeah, so it gives this uh, faded image of the photo. Maybe that's m- making you feel as if it's older than yes. it, it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I don't, maybe that's how my brain works. <laughs> when it's older, I appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Even though this is not, I mean, this could have been taken yesterday. You know, it's not that, that photo is still there of Rafiq Hariri. Mm-hmm. Uh, you it's even been, I mean, when light hits a photo for so long, it loses all its color and you'll notice that it, and it's almost completely white at the, uh, at the moment. Oh, white meaning the photo of Rafi Hadidi. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's a very faded. old photo. <laughs> yeah. But you know, before we get into, well, there's still a few more in Manada, but I'm going to <laughs> pause it here for Rafi Hadidi. You mentioned the end of an era. Is this photo taken pre October 17? Yeah. Is that something you feel at that moment, or is La, this description uh, later? You know, 
you attribute the meaning to photos continuously and essentially I don't want to force meaning on a photo. See, that's how I interpret it, but you mm, might see it differently. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So it's not it's not that it's a post October 17 re-examination. La, la. And essentially okay. I don't take pictures with meaning in mind. Uh, right. When I take pictures, I think mostly of the aesthetics, you know, the framing. So these people, for example, are, you know, following the rule of thirds for photography are on the third of the image over here, following that line. Uh, and so uh, that's satisfi satisfying to the eye when um, images... Go, go over that, the rule of thirds? Yeah. Can you just, uh, yeah. So you'll notice most of my photography follows the rule of thirds. If so the subject... to your friend on the beach. Yeah. Uh, no, but this one is completely in dead center. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Another one. Yeah, see, this is mm. also rule of thirds. You know, they're in the third of the image. And this is actually more prominent in... Oh, the the focus so, is on So there's third. two lines, yeah. One I here see. and one there. And that's the center. And so you'll find that they're on the third of the image. And this is actually more prominent even in landscapes. If I could show you, not this one. Yeah, this one. So they're also on the thirds over here. It's, it's more mm. satisfying to the eye, essentially. If these people were dead center, I don't think the image would be um, as nice it is, as it currently is psychologically why is it more pleasing to the eye i think because you know we we look for something to follow first of all we don't want to look immediately at, at the center but you know how we read basically is from left to right or from right to left in some languages yeah and so that that follows kind of the same pattern you know you're looking first oh. here and then your eye follows through That's the image to the, to the right so it's a start and finish yeah oh, i didn't never thought about <laughs> this my mind would always assume that the middle is the best uh yeah, most of my photography does have uh, subjects in the middle, but mm. sometimes it's nice to off off center it. <laughs> but but it is known as the rule of thirds. Yeah, it is. I would never it's know. A, you, yeah, every photographer shows you that I'm not a photographer. <laughs> is this gentleman here in those rule of thirds? No, but the bird is, and I think that the bird is a nice addition to this photo. Do you see it right there? <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah, this is actually a really old image. I took it. I think maybe one of my first walks on Manara. Uh, I was down, uh, and it, it is one of my earliest works, that's what I'm trying to say. And it was in my archives. I didn't really find anything nice about it until a few years later, just going through old images, re-editing, seeing what I can use. Essentially, well, I mean, during can... Corona, because I couldn't yeah. go out, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I had to go through my old files <laughs> to be able to produce content. <laughs> but the AUB Tower, you found a way to make it disappear. I mean, that... The sun is behind it, yeah. it's completely blown out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But the, the bird follows the rule of thirds and yeah. in your mind without the bird it wouldn't have that kind of pleasure uh i mean it's not the focus it, of the image is the guy right yeah and i feel like the bird is a really nice addition to the image specifically because back to the discussion where you never know what you're going to get in an image uh, mm -hmm. in terms of street photography you know it's as if um this kind of art um participates with the the, uh, the life of the city or you know essentially here uh, nature right and that this is the one part of Beirut that doesn't change. Yeah, exactly. These rocks are That's millions weird. of years mm. old, right? The water has been approaching the coast here forever. And I think, I imagine, just people fishing here for time immemorial. Uh, yeah, I feel like this region especially, it doesn't, it, hasn't, it doesn't show signs of being affected by the economic collapse or the revolution. It remains intact, I think, even in terms of there's no graffiti. There's, you know, there's no sign that the city has undergone massive political change. Um, and yeah. going back even to the fact that it's comfortable, li like we mentioned before, uh, it's somewhere I feel comfortable walking as well, taking pictures. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> what I don't like is the corniche at night today. Yeah, there's no lights coming in, and it's no, just not. Uh, it's not. You just need. It's not friendly as well. Yeah. Mm. But 
that kind of photo for me is just the Beirut I know. Mm. And that is the part of Beirut that just is, is consistent. So now I'm going to ask you before we get into downtown, why you don't have too many photos of Ashrafiyyu? It's a, it's a huge walking distance. <laughs> All right, so you, you do have some in Jamaisi and Marm Khayyab. I've actually just started recently deciding to yani, start walking more uh, or even because, you know, by the time, so I usually walk, right? And by the time I reach Ashrafi, I'm too tired to even continue taking photos. But these days I'm telling myself, Khalas, take a cab to Ashrafi and start from there. <laughs> I walked all the way, Habibi, you have to walk to Ashrafi. <laughs> why, why? So it's really just, it's just too far for yeah. you. And it's it's not too far. I love walking there all the time. But by the time I get there, I'm too tired to continue taking photos. You know, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's very perfect. Like uh, <laughs> you're very specific to where you walk in Beirut. Yeah. But good. But good for you. You have your terrain. I will show the few photos of Jamais and Marum Khad you you included. But they're for me. They're less. Uh, they're less pre October 17. They're more the impact of October 17 yeah. because this photo is of. EDL and Kahraba Lebanon is obviously gutted here. So I'm going to guess this is post-explosion. Yeah, it is. This is yeah. all the broken windows as well. This right. was actually, I think we had Christmas after that. And, you know, they put up decorations. In right. front of the police station, there was the Christmas tree. Yes. Picture of that as well. And um, it's just morbid, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. How fast people ignored, you know. And... Um, I was going to mention something, especially about... Hey, I think everyone now has this uh, way of... It's it's just the best marker for the moment. Yeah, it's Blown a huge up. symbol yeah. of yani, how um, ineffective... Because, especially because we're so pissed about the electricity situation. And there, the electricity building lies. It's completely destroyed. No one's thinking about renovating it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. And the blast... Knocked it down, <laughs> but the electricity was already falling apart. And yeah, and it's I, funny because you know the current political elite are just you know they're focusing on things such as the LGBT community, while there are things right now to focus on in terms of our actual basic infrastructure of yeah. the city. You know. Yeah, you're hinting at something that happened <laughs> ten days ago. The yeah. circular. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, that's a very good way, I think, of explaining priorities. Yeah, <laughs> you're younger than me. Obviously, you're 23. You're experiencing this kind of pushback right now. Uh, for you, as a photographer, let's say, or as a storyteller, are you able to, in a way, tackle that kind of issue? Because that's a very politicized uh, issue. And I don't know how that translates into art. Is there any space in photography for well, that? I can tell you, actually. Um, Beyond just like taking photos of people in their element. Mm. I can tell you through negation, basically. What don't you find in my photography? Mm. You don't find members of the LGBT community. You don't find members of... Um, you, you don't even find... Like, the majority of my photography, uh, the subjects are men. And so, oh, I you'll notice that, that uh, this sexism is inherent in the street, uh, basically. Huh. Because the streets are a hostile place for these people, you know. Uh, women, especially these days, don't yeah. feel comfortable walking through Hammer Street at all. Mm. And that's, you know, that explains the lack of women in my photography as well. Oh, so you're not deliberately avoiding. La, you just la, don't find many they, women. Because it's, it's just hostile. You know, you get catcalled. And, right. you know, the members of the LGBT community, uh, sometimes you see them. Sometimes I see them walking on Mar mm. Um But uh, you, you see people assaulting them nonstop. Um, be, uh, 
Specifically, really? if their appearance is, you know, it, it emphasizes, you know, their gender or something. But there is something you do, which is, I think, deliberate. Now that I know you a bit better, <laughs> is even in Madam Khayr Jamezi, you're focusing on the working class. Exactly. So this is not a photo, I would assume, Jamezi or Madam Khayr. Yeah. But I'm guessing... This guy's it, pretty famous here. I don't know if you know him. I, I mean, I... I, I <laughs> When you yes yes, but I, I don't think of that when I think of Jamezi Madam Khayr. Mm. So the emphasis on him is quite unique, I think. Oh, you mean someone a member of the working class working in Jamezi Madam Khayr? You're not Khayr? taking photos of girls walking because ah, yeah. you emphasize that there aren't that many uh, women in your photos. Mm. You're, not, you're not in front of a bar where the youth is out, mm. or you're not. Uh, it's not the nightlife of Madam Khayr or Jamezi. It's somebody who's making ends meet. Yeah. So even in here, you have that kind of emphasis on yeah. an older man who's it trying to... It goes back to my aim of you know, wanting to preserve these people. Yeah. Because um, I don't think in 50 years' time, there's going to be uh, space for businesses like these. Everything's going to be privatized. There's just going to be a coffee franchise here instead of a coffee vendor, you know? Yeah. And so... Even the second yeah. photo, I think, is similar in that you found mm. a... Electronics shop, uh, I yeah. think. I, think. <laughs> I mean, there's I so many things in the shop, you I, don't know what he does. <laughs> I looked at this photo for some time, I'm like, I don't know what he's selling. <laughs> but yeah, he's selling everything. I wonder how these people do business, you know, like... Yeah. I mean, this is probably Ajar Adim that has extended itself into 2022. It looks like it's a repair store. Mm. But I think that's not really the focus of the story. It's him. It's him living in 2022 in this kind of uh, difficult situation here you'll notice um the end of my nikon era basically oh <laughs> you'll notice this guy if you zoom into the photo he's quite a bit fuzzy he's not really in focus um because my nikon started uh focusing on backgrounds more than oh. so even though i put the focus on him the camera chose to focus behind him why is that and so I don't know, malfunction. Khalas, it's, it's just... Oh, the, uh, they, they fail over time. Yeah, they fail over I didn't time. didn't know that. I had about, I think, 30,000 or 40,000 shutter clicks on that camera. And so that's oh. essentially when I moved to Fujifilm uh, after this photo. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> he knows that you're there. Yeah. Is there anything that happens afterwards in this photo? Well, uh, for this photo in specific... Um, I now I'm actually looking to see if you're in focus. Yes, <laughs> you are. I am. Kenan, thank you. Not usually. Uh, usually I, I walk away immediately. But in, <laughs> in the street photography, I wish, I wish I had time to talk to the subjects, get to know their names, get to know their stories. But, you know, with street photography, it's more of an in-the-moment thing. I don't want to, first of all, alert the person that the image is happening because I don't want poses, you know, like like this or right because you know then it stops being serious. but did you have to explain yourself uh, usually what i do is i just hold up my camera point at it and I'm like you want and he's like i'm fine with it and then i just take the photo <laughs> oh so he knew yeah and he was fine with yeah. it okay mm -hmm. that's good because i good. From, from that moment it looks to me that it could go either way he could say, what are you taking a photo of? Yeah. Uh, at that point, yeah, I come up to him, I ask him, mm. um, I'm, I'm working on uh, like a, a street photography collective of images. Okay. I'm basically trying to preserve uh, shops like you. <laughs> right. And yeah, and if they don't like that, you know, خلاص, I, I just won't post the image. Have you ever deleted a photo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you've Recently, I mm. took a photo. It was quite funny. It's the only photo I have ever deleted. And it's the only photo someone's ever asked me to delete after th maybe hundreds of posts. Mm -hmm. um, Essentially, it was a picture of a motorcycle with a sticker on it, Heil Hitler. <laughs> oh. And then there was someone in the background on a motorcycle zooming by. 
Uh-huh. That person okay. recognized themselves on the motorcycle zooming by oh. and asked for the picture to be deleted. Oh, so after it was posted, yeah. they noticed themselves in the photo. Yeah. Oh, and by they chance. weren't even the main subject yeah, of the yeah, image. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd already shared it. Yeah. And how does this happen? They just reach out to you and they say, it's me. I don't want to be in this photo. Yeah, exactly. And I tell them, I'm sorry that you know this happened. Oh, I'm going yeah. to delete it now. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I, didn't, I didn't expect that to happen. So people do catch themselves in your photography, yeah. which means you're becoming increasingly well known. Yeah, I photo- took a picture of a fisherman, for example, yeah. and then his daughter reached out to me uh, oh. on Instagram. Yeah, and she said, "Keep it, not delete yeah, yeah. it." Yeah, yeah, she was okay. quite happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, this is a great segue. And actually, before we move on, yeah, the, when we're talking about you know someone being happy about them being in the photo, you know, there's also this uh, thing about you're helping people. Um, people are happy about their legacy being preserved, I think. Mm. And that's an important issue, I think, uh, to mention. But I can imagine that it goes both ways. Because I know from my own life that not everyone is okay with their photo being taken. Yeah. And I do know that many photographers don't want to delete their photos. Mm. So you end up with this sort of friction. But it's from what you're saying, it sounds like your your consideration is more with the with the individual, less to do with you. That you're, yeah. you're taking their concerns first. Mm. I don't hear that that much from photographers. So mm. I, I appreciate that you have, in a way, like it is a sensitivity yeah. to people that don't want to be in these photos. It's safe to say, and you tell me if I'm getting anything wrong here, that your hobby, I'm being delicate here, a, uh, it feels like it's a full time hobby. Aside from AUB, you're on the streets taking photos all the time. It is a hobby. I don't work for any agency, you know. <laughs> right. But hobby in a way doesn't, I don't think it does it enough justice because you're... Yeah, it's weird. It's not a hobby. It's more like a life passion that wasn't um, realized and I'm trying to realize it. <laughs> before you were able to, hmm, before you're selling photos, when you're still an AUB student and you're... You happen to arrive to Lebanon as it's beginning to really collapse. And you're here on October 17, 2019. You already know how to take photos. You have, you've done enough. You've tested the waters enough to figure it out. And if this is, you tell me if I'm getting anything wrong. From the limited knowledge I know, is that a photo like this one was taken October 17, 2019. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. So you're on the streets, late October 17, 2019, and your camera's with you. As much as you can, take me back to the moment you see a hobby turning into something much more. Yeah. And what it felt like at that moment, because you're part of the protest, but you're also documenting the protest too. Mm. In a way, you're doing both. Yeah. So as much as you can say. So just to give you a rundown of that night, basically, mm. um, uh, it was a normal university semester. We have exams coming up and um, this starts to happen. <laughs> and um, the reason I was there at 3 a.m. Uh, basically is because I was late to come uh, to, to the fire thing. <laughs> um, well, it started at night. It started uh, late. If I, remember I think right. 8 p.m., yeah. 9 p.m. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And, you know, from 8 p.m. till 12 uh, I was just pacing around the room. Do I go? Do I go? My parents calling nonstop, don't go to the protests, you know. And, you know, this was the first instance of, you know, moving from a country so secure yeah. uh, as the Emirates 
Um, or let me use your words again: mundane and bland, mundane and bland, and monarchic, <laughs> monarchic and controlled as the Emirates. Right. So chaotic, anarchic. Khalas, now both of us won't get jobs there. Congrats. <laughs> there <you go. laughs> um, I'll, and then, I'll edit my part. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, to the security issues of uh, going down there. But you know, it felt uh, like you said the the bite of a bug. Basically, you know, I felt as though there was a responsibility, not just to capture what was going on but to you know become a news outlet myself you know oh. because uh well you saw yourself as a yeah. photojournalist yeah exactly because um you know to me photojournalism is its for own form of activ- activism mm. because um you know each photojournalism agency has its own agenda right and you know my agenda is you know on the side of the people that were protesting while you could say let's say MTV let's say would be american backed or um Oh, you were trying to just get the people's. Yeah. You were going straight to the uh, yeah. straight to the protest. Yeah. L- like unfiltered. Trying to show a narrative which was, let's say, being suppressed. You know, because mm. you know that uh, quote: "They won't televise the revolution." Basically. Okay, I see. And so, you know, there was this responsibility I felt, uh, you know, throughout the the night. You know, do I go? Do I do I not go? And so, and I, at two a.m., I decided just خلاص, I'm gonna go at two a.m. complete night time. And go to to go cover uh, the protests, and essentially this is next to the building that uh, the office building that they were burning. Um, I mean, this is Riyadh Sulah, right? Or, yeah, ex- uh, this or is um, where would I place this photo? Actually, it's hard to kind of tell because there's no real. I yeah, mean, you don't remember the building that was burning on the first night. It had one person inside it. It's an office building, essentially. Memory is right. It's next to Riyadh Sulah, but I don't yeah, remember exactly. exactly. It's on the road that goes to Martyrs Square. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Mm. So it's yeah, but that's two in the morning. <laughs> you're there. Yeah. And you have that person in mind, and you're going to share their story so that no one else can capture it filtered. Yeah. And I there was so yeah. much rage on the first night, uh, as compared to the other nights. Yeah. yeah. You see the the rage of the first week, uh, completely turn into something else. Uh, the next few weeks, uh, it went from actual, um, uh, I'd, I'd say actual revolt. To, it became a trend to go down to the revolution. Uh, I think that's, that's a huge problem that we faced down there. I mean, you cut, you really, these are the first hours. Yeah, this is the, the same scene. Yes. That's the building I was talking about. Okay, so that's in Martyrs Square. Mm. Oh, I see. I know which building you're talking about. In the middle of the road, in the middle of the uh, Martyrs Square. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on the way up <laughs> The to thing is, there's nothing next to it for us to refer, us to, uh, the egg. refer to. The egg is next to it. Uh, exactly, right? that's yeah. exactly where it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something about this photo here that I enjoyed. So, you've, you're, it's a chaotic moment. A lot of these kinds of photos have been taken, where people are doing things, they're playing sometimes, mm-hmm. they're they're keeping themselves preoccupied while there's a fire raging behind. Mm-hmm. So this this kid, this boy, is reading. There's another photo that you have, which I think is just it's maybe the following day or following days. Another no, guy. this is much afterwards. Oh, it's much later. Mm-hmm. Okay. But again, it's reading. Yeah. Can I ask you why you have that kind of photo as a preference, maybe? Because yeah. you sent me a collection of, down, of downtown. <laughs> I don't have... I didn't see any photos of crowds. You're focusing in on individuals. Mm. These are boys reading during times of chaos. Yeah. You know, pictures of crowds, they don't really... You can't really ascribe meaning to them. It's mm. just the crowd. There's nothing really to focus on in terms of photography. Yeah. Uh, that's from a photography point of view. But in terms of the actual meaning I'd ascribe to the photo, 
uh, I call this photo theory versus practice. So there are some people, you know, who read leftist theory, who uh, want to read about revolt. But, you know, when it comes down to, you know, actual revolt, what are you going to do? You know, who's going to dismantle the, <laughs> the, the structures of power? Oh, so you see so, them reading politics. Yeah, they're reading rather than, you know, participating in the actual revolt. Uh -huh. And so I see that as really contradictory. Mm. Um, Do you introduce yourself to these? No. 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 Okay. <laughs> what I, I loved yeah. about the revolution is that um, every single form of uh, societal norm broke down. I, I could point the camera at anything. It was all uh, normal to be able to take pictures of anyone during the revolution. And so that's why it was kind of easy to be able to generate uh, work during that time as well. Mm. There's several other photos, and these are ones that you were, you were kind enough to share. Uh, I like this photo too. This one is with the Fuji, for example. You'll notice the colors are different. Oh, so you've already transitioned here to Fuji. This one, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. And this one's quite ironic, I think. You know, you have the I heart Beirut um, sign and then people are running away from... Uh, I think it's, it's, kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of telling of the Lebanese condition, Yanni. Are, are you wearing a gas mask? No. No. Mm. Okay. It was, yani, yeah, there's a lot of tears involved in my work. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this... I'm going to ask you several questions about this photo. I, I spent my time with this photo. Uh... What does this feel like to you when you're there? Because you you hinted at it already. That's a message of positivity behind <laughs> with a city that's not in its best shape. Um, so what does it feel like to you to see that happen? And, and is it in any way a blend of positive and negative? Mm. Well, so once? what you're trying to do with this type of photography, I'm not really into photojournalism purely. I'm bringing my um, the principles of street into actually photojournalism. Mm. So you'll notice in this photo and in other photos, there's like an aspect of humor. You know, there's something to look at and laugh at. Okay. And so this mixture of photojournalism and street, you could say, um, creates that. And so this also goes back to Yanni, my idol when it comes to photography. It would be uh, Steve McCurry. You know, he doesn't really do pure photojournalism, but mm. rather, you know, he, he describes himself not even as a photojournalist. He, he describes himself as a, a visual storyteller. And I think that's, you know, important. Yani. I think uh, I'm not trying to cover every single thing that happened. I'm trying to be able to tell a story with Im each image that I take. And so, you know, coverage not, is not really yani, the purpose. But you did say earlier that your career, or let's say your passion, does encompass some photojournalism. Yeah. And you're filling that space. Mm. So you, you mentioned MTV, but it's not just MTV. It's any <laughs> sort of outlet. But this kind of photo, what, is it, what does it mean to you when you see this happening? I'm curious about your relationship to Beirut when you have this photo taken. Because I, I will share what it feels like to me, but I'd like to hear from you. Because we're two decades, of, two decades <laughs> apart in age. Um, I see things here that maybe have to do with having seen this part of Beirut change dramatically and where it is now. I'm curious how you see it. Is it just literally tear gas and protesters? And no, no. Actually, that's the meaning the photo, I, uh, the meaning I have for the photo is, um, to me is that, you know, Beirut is in a constant condition of the denial of reality. You know, mm. no matter mm. what happens uh, to, let's say the financial district or Beirut Souks, they're yeah. going to rebuild and pretend like it's business as usual, you know? Mm. And so uh, there's this constant, uh, uh, Le the condition that Lebanese people are in that oh you know we live in the, the, currently the best country in the world right and I heart Beirut and <laughs> everything but you know you have to eventually you know open your eyes to, to the reality that we're currently living in in Beirut and I think even that r relates to your generation how there was also a denial of reality back in your time as well yeah so you see denial of reality mm -hmm. 
I see a bit of that. I think that's permanent, actually. <laughs> so I, I, that to me is part of it by it's in its fabric. That's what's make this. Uh, that's what makes this image ironic, basically. Yeah, yeah. But I see something which is maybe not. It's it's maybe, maybe it's more subjective. Uh, what I see also is a downtown that I remember war torn. So post-war downtown, pre-Solidaire. So yeah. pre even the souks are relatively new. This ugly shopping They're mall. They're all just facades, yeah. Yeah, so that's I mean that's what the last maybe <laughs> 10 12 years. I don't remember when the souks reopened. Um it's not that long ago that they reopened. And, and you have to think um even essentially before Solidaire how many street vendors and shops were in place before Beirut Souks was eruc- uh, erected by Hariri and uh, but how this, many yeah, but that, homes were destroyed just to erect Beirut Souks? This is maybe it's like more urban planning because <laughs> I've had this conversation with Munal Halla, Munaf Awaz, and uh, I think I forgot Muhammad Shama Yimkin, who's much younger from Beirut Urban Lab. Now he's at Lorient. I don't remember if we talked about Solidaire in specific. Maybe we didn't, but. I've had urban planning uh, episodes. Maybe it's too wide of a tough topic, but what I see is the post-war attempt, which is complicated, let's say, uh, turning into something that is perhaps uh, not just protest. It's also, it could be anarchic, let's say, to a point that it could lead to something worse. And my mind always goes back to those years, the early 1990s, late 80s, early 90s, when downtown was at its worst. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if I'm expressing it the right way. I, there's a sense of fear in this photo, not just euphoria, also fear. You think it pops it get worse than this? Uh, it's more that I see downtown... Um, the, the description you provided of the pre-war downtown, the maybe the 1960s, let's say, before downtown was really deteriorating, is something I'll never experience. Mm. I have no idea. I will never really... I wish I could time travel. Because <laughs> I'd love to know what downtown felt like 60 years ago. Uh, it's the downtown that I know post-war that just didn't get there that for many ravaged, reasons. Yeah. yeah. Turns into something that's not necessarily great, I mean, I'm not a fan of shopping malls in cities, period. But I'm, there's a sense of fear, maybe, that uh, it's downtown is a ghost town again. And that, in my mind, goes back to war. Even without the war, but it's, this, it's the green line. To me, downtown is a ghost town, essentially, for just one class of people, the working mm-hmm. class. You know, downtown was essentially made, and, and I, what I do sometimes is I count how many cars are above $700,000 on the yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. When I'm back from my walk, it's about like 30 cars. Uh, essentially, this whole area was made for the enjoyment of the rich, you know? Mm, 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 mm. And we've all been priced out of it. And that goes back to the issue of Yanni. Um, yeah, we've been priced out of our connection to the sea. We've been priced out of the connection to essentially what is the heart of Beirut. Mm, mm, mm. So there's an economics in your photography, let's say, that's coming out. Yeah. But it's not necessarily the focus of the photo. No, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nabil, take me to the early days and maybe weeks of October 17 with photos like this one here. Mm. Are you are you doing this, what do they call it, fish, fisherman? No, this that's, what is it called again, fisherman's eye? Fisherman's technique, yeah. Fisherman's technique, so this is not that kind of moment. La, not at all, you know, there's this water cannon blasting water towards there. There's actually a second photo here, which yeah. I think is, it's the same occasion. Yeah. yeah. And so what's protecting me is a huge concrete wall. Oh. If I pass it, I'm gonna get drenched in water. Mm. And this was one of the nights where 
and I think was the closest of the revolutionaries actually being able to break into, you know, the surrounding area over here. Right. And the, they almost made it in. They actually managed to um, break down the barriers up until just the water cannon was in their way. And um, so you're strategically hiding yeah. in a way. Yeah. Are, are you are you trying to get your photos out beyond your own channels? I mean, yeah, at, at yeah. these moments, were you trying to get them circulated? I, I was. Yeah. You were. Yeah. I, back, I wish I was on Twitter back in the day and uh-huh. during the revolution because on Twitter, everything, you're able to become your own news agency on Twitter. That's true. You know? even get and jobs so, after so, Exactly. Yeah. And some posts reach, let's say, above 100,000 people. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, you know, there's, there's um, what's it called? Um, censorship, uh, essentially, over these Mark things. Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why there's censorship. <laughs> yes, right. And, and, and yeah, on Instagram, you'd only reach a thousand people. And that goes back to the issue of yeah, trying to be my own news agency and, and I try to, because I don't remember this night. I, I don't think this night was televised, honestly. This was probably what, two, three, four days later? I no, mean, this was a few weeks later. Oh, it's a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you're, are you trying to reach out to news outlets? No. No, there no. was never an attempt to get your no, photos acquired. Okay. No. Were any news outlets reaching out to you? Uh, sometimes with Lorient Le Jour. Oh, lo- local yeah. outlets. Okay, but none of the bigger... Uh, no, no. Okay. The, those news outlets source images directly from Reuters, uh, AP, right. uh, those agencies. But I'm curious, would you have even entertained it? Because I, I felt that there was a built-in pressure to not go down that road. But let's say those outlets were trying to get your photography. Would you have been accepting of that? Or was it more that... I think I would, uh, with the consideration that I want to at least be able to see what narrative they're going to use the photos That's in. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do have that, you know, right as the copyright owner of the image, you know. That's true. Mm-hmm. I think there's only one more photo that I'd like to go with you, and I think it's. Oh, this one. We haven't gone through this one. Uh, there we go. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Many months later. That's yeah. not. Uh, that's yeah, and that 2020 actually, actually. Yeah. yeah, and that actually runs with, runs with the meaning of the photo. Essentially, you know, you see this guy disappointed looking on. To, uh, <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I felt, you know, as I, I I went down every single day, and I I was seeing, you know, the momentum of the revolution slow down every single day, mm. and you know, eventually I felt as though the revolutionaries were feeling kind of betrayed by the general population. You know, every night it'd be 2 a.m., 3 a.m. They'd be like, "Why are we here? We're only staying here to get beat up and go back home." And, you know, they, the internal security forces don't tend to beat them up until there's not that many people there. Oh, and that's around right, 2, 3 right. a.m. Yeah. For most people, it was just, let's go and until it gets a little too late, let's go back home. And that's not how revolutions work, you know. Like, there's no the late period, you know. You have to break into the parliamentary area. You have to, you know, um, you actually form a movement, form a, a collective of people. You but know? you're trying to wait and see what happens at that time. Is that the? I mean, are you here late at night to watch the internal? Sec- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. stayed Yanni, every single night until everyone left. Right. Yeah, and so you'd see in this image, you know, a sense of extreme disappointment by, by this guy. Um, you know, things weren't looking bright by the end of the revolution, Yanni. The numbers were low, and yeah. Are you seeing yourself in this guy? No, definitely. I played, like you said, two parts as both revolutionary and from a coverage point as a yeah. photojournalist. You know, sometimes I'd get so mad where I'd just pick up a rock and uh, throw as well and <laughs> take so pictures as well oh, and throw. And okay. Yeah, it was a mixture. Um, yeah, and there was also the sense of disappointment with me, yeah. 
you see the end of the protest movement and then you live through the pandemic you survive the blast uh like many of us that uh i mean i where were you during the blast i i, I was in new york oh, okay but this apartment was destroyed mm. actually this room has been put back together largely but uh when you walk out you'll see the fridge has glass from the windows absorbed yeah i'm I'm patching it up slowly (laughs) but uh this apartment was was destroyed Mm. Um, i don't have much photo coverage of the blast i know i was in beirut souks at the time but um the aftershock you know first of all we didn't know what it was and so what i did first of all was just run to aub (laughs) right yeah and so i didn't i had my camera with me but i just didn't think of lifting it i just immediately wanted to get to safety Mm. So that's a moment you chose to not do your... Yeah, I, uh, yeah. I just couldn't take a photo in that moment. Yeah. I was very lucky to not be here. But, uh, I mean, that's selfish to say. But mm. uh, I was doing episodes on a daily basis just to raise money. I, I But I didn't feel... Uh, I, I know what you're talking about. That That's the time maybe to capture, but it's too horrendous. You don't you know, want it's, to. As a photojournalist, uh, you know, I had to. <clears throat> I had to picture just... You know the shock afterwards to be yeah. able to yani get people outside to sympathize, get people yani to yeah. start uh, funding, you know, the rebuilding programs, the investigation programs as well. It's in the background of your photos that you post sometimes, but it's not the subject. Mm. I have never seen you actually do a blast-oriented a collection. Yeah, and is that deliberate that you don't? I don't, have, I don't have much work from that period. I only have work... Even even the impact of the blast. I mean, mm. the destruction, let's say. I have never seen you go too deep into that. Mm. Is that by design that you're not... Uh, you're it's a touchy, to... touchy subject for me. I noticed mm. the, the months following the blast, uh, I was quite sensitive to loud sounds, revisiting mm. the memories mm. of it. Um, you know, I tended to avoid it, basically. That's yeah. maybe why it hasn't appeared in more work. Mm. Mm. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, because it's a delicate subject, yeah. and I actually, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I respect uh, the. I personal. can send you a few photos. I do have. Maybe we can display them now. They're, they're not. They're not that much. I mean, I, I, just by my interaction with you on social media, I've never seen you go down that road. Mm. And I guess uh, from what you're saying, it's that it just hurts too much. Mm. I'll wrap it up with uh, a huge question. You graduated <laughs> this year. Yeah. All right, so maybe like. Um, Three ago? weeks ago, Three two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you're there with Fadlul Khouri making his speech. You're in the green, uh, what is it called? The green. Uh, the, uh, what's it the called? The football oval, field, the football, I think, yeah. The, God, what's it called? The Green Oval's upper campus, yeah. the thing down. Let's call it the stadium. <laughs> Between the business school and the gym. Yeah. <laughs> that thing down. I forgot the name. Um, you wrap up a bachelor's degree. That you set out with 2017. Yeah. And I'm just going to take a wild guess. You finished the degree because you had to. But I'm going to just... This is a hunch. That is where you're moving in life. And I know that two weeks ago, you were selling photos in Hamra. <laughs> you're not selling uh, lab equipment. Or you're not even doing anything related to chemical engineering. You're in Hamra at the street fair selling your work. Mm. So this speculation... This is where you're moving in life. First, am I right? And second, if I'm wrong, 
what the hell are you going to do in chemical engineering now? Because I'd like to know that too. <laughs> where <you're> la- <laughs> I'm in a similar situation to the guy that you had a podcast with recently, huh. where he uses his profession to fund his hobby. First of all, uh, the astrophotography. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay, yeah. Um, Cybersecurity and astronomy. Exactly. Astrophotographer. And it's a similar case as well because you know, especially with street photography, wherever I do find work as mm. a chemical engineer, um, I'm able to you know, whatever what, uh, whatever free time I have, I can do the street photography with. And yes, I'd love for this um, and yeah, hobby to turn into a full time profession. But I have to accept the reality that um, if I go into photography now um, as a photographer strictly, I'd be forced into things um, which I don't really want to go through in terms of my art direction. You know, I don't want to do weddings, for example. I don't want to do baby oh, photography. Oh, you mean just to make some money? Yeah, I don't yeah, want to yeah. do the commercial stuff right. to be able to you know, eventually yeah. make it. I'd rather, you know, set up a nice nest, let's say, yeah. with chemical engineering money. <laughs> and see. then, you know, move slowly into the real passion. So financial security will come from your degree. Mm. But this is still with you. Yeah. So you're not letting this go. Of course not. No, because, like I said, you know, it moves with you everywhere. Right. Street photography you can do in any city. It doesn't just have to be Beirut. Even though yeah. I do realize that once I move, there is a fear that you know, no, no city will compare to Beirut, especially in no... Oh, the chemical engineering job. Do you see yourself leaving Lebanon? Of course. Yani, even with yeah. our own petroleum on, off, off, off the coast and yes. gas, first of all, some of the wells don't have any. Mm-hmm. And then they just That's sold it off to years. Israel, the, the one that did have. Recently, they did that. We so were, but even that's a decade away before. Uh, yeah. Come in. Right. And in terms of come in salaries, there's the problem that the fact that they haven't dollarized salaries in Lebanon. Yeah. And you know, that's a huge problem as well. So what do you do if you offered a job back in Dubai? Oh, I'm not applying to the Middle East. Oh, you're not. Okay. And right now, actually, the only thing AAB students are going for is consulting, especially engineers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the work hours of consulting from 8 a.m. Yeah. till 10 p.m. Yeah. There's no work-life balance in consulting. And so that's why I'm kind of avoiding that career path. You get a job in Berlin. <laughs> you go to London. You go to Frankfurt. Berlin is perfect. Frankfurt is perfect. Okay, let's say you go to Berlin, which is a lovely city to explore photography as mm. well. But it's not necessarily your home. Yeah. Do you pursue photography there? Are you able to keep it going? Mm. Okay, so you're not married to Lebanon. The thing is... Because of my past, you know, I was raised in the Emirates yeah. and I've never really been able to, uh, even in these few years, I have made a connection with the country and, you know, the city, mm. but it's not that connection you gain, especially when you're raised here and you go to high school here, you make yeah. your friends here. All my yeah. friends are international students, Egyptian, uh, Indian, and um, those friends from high school. And so, you know, I never really developed that sense of, uh, oh, I have to go back home. I have the sense of belonging to the country. Mm. No, I'd rather be able to... Um, Go wherever living is most comfortable, be able to um, follow my passion. In terms of specifically street photography, you know, you can do it wherever you'd like. What I want you to do before you pack up and leave this country, because <laughs> I know at some point you will return <laughs> with true. maybe the same camera. <laughs> what I want you to do is take this camera and go beyond your comfort zone. First of all, I really enjoy photography hmm. in the regions that you mentioned, especially in, like you mentioned, I haven't been doing much work in this region specifically. Uh, and forwards um, but recently I've been you know, exploring Burj Hamoud as well and uh, something I'd like to mention about Ashrafi is that um, I've been noticing uh, it's you said get out of your comfort zone but yes. it's so comfortable to do photography in Ashrafi and um, like the buildings are still you know they're not that much worn down and mm. I can do some of that kind of modern street photography that you find in other cities outside mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, no, I feel like my style uh, changes when I'm in Ashrafiyya. Um, but even Badaro, I'd like to see how you take Badaro or these neighborhoods that are off the beaten path, like Hay Syrian, Hadl Adli, next to the museum, but on the eastern side. These are neighborhoods, residential neighborhoods that people don't tend to walk through. Karim Zaytun gets its fair share, but not enough. I would love to see. I, I, it's subjective. It's personal. You're right. There has been a super focus on the regions that I cover in terms yeah. of media coverage. and يعني, There needs to be some art produced out of these neighborhoods, I think, as well. Uh, the, the architecture there alone is just so nice. يعني. Exactly. And I mean, sometimes it's not easy to go to certain neighborhoods, but even Bashura, Khandal Ghami, there's some lovely I buildings there. Uh, when I walk through, uh, what's it called, um, Burj Hamoud, yeah. I keep walking through under the bridge, yeah. and then Hezbollah memorabilia start to pop up. Uh, and hey, we call Naba, I think, yeah. right? And yeah. then I just start to slowly turn back because yeah, yeah. one of my friends, yeah, they got stopped with their camera. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't want you to get stopped. So, yeah, whenever you feel unsafe, walk away. Yeah. But a lot of the city needs to be discovered through this camera. Before you leave, um, and you're very nice to me. You mentioned before we started recording. You didn't have to, but you got me something. You got me... I got him prints. You got me a million dollars in cash. They're not... I don't know. I chose them pretty randomly. Fresh dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. Habibi, this is very kind. You know, I want to share... And Kamil, I didn't about. get to thank you for having me on the episode, Yani. It's a pleasure, first of all. And I kind of have this kind of imposter syndrome of being here. You know, how dare I sit where Shabrul has sat? <laughs> He didn't sit here. <laughs> I know, in the other house, but still, like, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Oops. What makes you less than less worthy than Shabr Nahas? I don't know. You are who? What? what? I don't know. <laughs> By the way, you're. It's very nice of you because I actually I missed your um, the the print sale. Yeah. So, oh, this is this is fantastic. So first print. It's the. I don't know if we're gonna show it on screen or on camera. It's, I, I will. Um, yeah, I will. All make cops sure are bastards. Visible. This is during the protest. Yeah. Okay. This is actually when they were calling for um, the guy who was giving immunity to the August 4th blast uh, people responsible. What was his name? Hamad? Something? Fahmi? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, uh, the name is Hassan Diab government. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot his name. Yeah, I but think he was so, yes. granting immunity to basically right. you know, yeah. port supervisors and all that. This is great. And the second one, because you live in Marm Khail, this guy is in Marm Khail. Oh, this is this is a and lovely. And he has the four, the mask on his forehead. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Yeah, there's a lot of white space in the room. You know, maybe I'll bring you more. Bring, bring as much as you <laughs> Episode can. Episode part two, maybe. Bring a bring a <laughs> hammer and a, a thing, uh, um, the drill. Yeah, I, yeah. The, these walls are thick. I don't know what your landlord would think about that. <laughs> He's a fan of the podcast. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> this, is, this is lovely. This one's definitely up, up. Yeah. This will be. Up very soon. Habibi, that's very kind. You've joined now the table of gifts. Perfect. All these are all gifts? Well, that's so sweet. Yeah, I mean, people that have joined the podcast or I've kind of, you know, I've tried to get some of their work on the table. I will find space for these lovely photos. You're very kind. Thank um, you. I want to say it again. You're, for me, a reminder of why I started doing this podcast. Um, you are more for me than Shabir Nahas. Believe me, don't compare yourself that way. He's a profound figure in politics. Um, I think you will be a profound figure in photography. That's that's my bet. Um, I'm glad that four years ago when I started recording these episodes, I would eventually find my way back 
to storytelling and, and I like what the, you've been doing yeah you've been you've been shifting basically yeah gear you know you did the nighttime photography with the uh, you know the astro photographer now you're doing daytime photography with me <laughs> yeah and next week it's uh, a, a architect and a designer Muhammad Tame mm. who uh, does these nostalgia photos and he matches them to where we are now it's almost like time travel in Beirut this is more my for this is this is my passion to be honest so Thank you for spending Friday evening with me. It was a nice evening. It's a fantastic evening. Thank you for doing the episode while you were drugged up on your booster. Thank you for looking at me like a, <laughs> I'm a tomato. But we made it. We pulled through. Thank you, Nabi. It was a pleasure. Thank you. We did it. <laughs> Thumbs up. Thanks for listening and watching. And a friendly reminder to support this podcast by contributing through Patreon or PayPal. All links are in the details box. Until next time, I'm Rani Shatah, and this is the Beirut Banyan.